0: I got the words, I got the tune. I've been rehearsing under the moon, but I got nobody to hear my song, so I'm humming to myself. I got the place, I got the time, I got a lot of love for that rhyme, but I got nobody to hear my song, so I'm humming to myself. Hello, and welcome back to the American man. Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. And today I will be finishing my look at Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. This is the second episode on this very, very interesting um, novel by, by Shirley Jackson, published in, what was that, 1959? And so let's just jump right into it. Um, In the first half of the novel, the first four chapters, we establish quite a lot. Um, The plot basically is this uh, professor, Dr. Montague, wants to do research on a haunted house. And he picks Hill House after some preliminary research. And he picks various people who are psychically attuned based on their past. He researches that, picks a bunch of people to show up. And along with them is this guy, Luke Sanderson, who's like the heir to, to Hill House. So we have a professor, uh, the heir to the house, and these two women, both of whom are in some way, have some history of psychic phenomenon. One is uh, the, really the main character, Eleanor, Eleanor Vance, and then we have Theodora is another, both of whom have, have some history with it. They're very, very different characters, though, even though they are closely joined for much of the novel. We learn also in the first part of the novel about the distinction that Shirley Jackson makes, Professor Montague makes it, and we the readers quickly make it, between a haunted house and an evil house. And so the title of the novel is a bit of a uh, uh, red herring. The house is not really haunted, although there may in fact be ghosts there. It's it's more of an evil house. And this is a very, very, I think this is a very innovative breakthrough made by Shirley Jackson. Again, I, I can't say she's the first to make this but i think she's the most well-known person to make this distinction and this has certainly influenced a lot of writing afterwards i mentioned stephen king a lot because he and my, to my knowledge is the one who's done the most with this concept of, of the evil house that's a, like a magnet for for kind of evil energies and and bad things uh we're told very explicitly that this house from the foundation from the time it was built was built bad was built evil we also learn that Eleanor is a bit of a searcher, searching for some identity, some place. Uh, the whole first chapter is basically devoted to not only setting up the novel, but setting up Eleanor as someone who's gone through her life with a lot of um, forks in the road, and she's not quite sure where she's heading. And the roads, though, take her to Hill House, and the suggestion very early on in the novel is that her fate is intimately tied up with Hill House. It's something she realizes quite quite early in the novel, and by the first half you kind of have a sense of where it's going um they spend uh two nights there in the first half of the novel the first night is relatively uneventful those doors close and there's other weird things going on um the second night though we have the first clear supernatural occurrences taking place and they are experienced by Eleanor and Theodora during the night so we pick up uh with chapter five and the next morning after these events, they debrief. Uh, obviously, they're there for a scientific purpose. So they're there to actually explore what's going on in the house and record their findings and to keep careful records. So the professor very much insists on, uh, on people on people talking about it and recording what happens to them every, every single event. Uh, so they do debrief. I mean, the, the specific things that happen in Chapter 4 are... Um, <clears throat> Uh, Eleanor and Theodora experience odd feelings, they experience icy cold draughts and noises at their door, but these are noises that the men cannot hear, um, and and throughout the night, throughout their experiences, they, they experience doors closing, and the doctor, the end of chapter 4 is the doctor concluding that the house is actually trying to physically separate these intruders. Uh, I hold that maybe the haunting of Hill House actually refers to these four people who are dwelling in there, like literally haunting the the house that is its own character and its own identity in a way. So anyways, uh, chapter five begins, they debrief. The doctor, though, discounts the idea of ghosts, uh, but does suggest poltergeist might be a real possibility in the house. But again, it's already been established that the house itself is just sick. The house itself is, is evil. So whatever may be in the house is on top of that that overall phenomenon. Luke doesn't think, though, Luke Sanderson, who's a little bit more happy-go-lucky, at least in the early part of the novel, doesn't really think that anything that living in the house or existing in the house can really hurt them. But Eleanor sort of agrees, uh, well, she doesn't quite agree with the doctor in that the house is trying to separate them. She thinks the house is actually trying to entrap them. In fact, she's the one that the house is trying to entrap. Um, They go through some banter. A lot of the novel is... Discussions and banter and drinking brandy and playing chess and playing cards and things like that um, And they do have some banter about Dudley. Dudley is like the caretaker of the house and Dudley's wife prepares the meals for them They don't think much of the house. They don't try to stay there. They keep to a firm schedule to kind of keep everything under control But they banter about him and you know, he continues to act strangely or mrs. Dudley I think it is continues to act strangely uh, About her very very strict schedule, but it seems this this schedule is a bit of a self-defense Strategy for for Dudley, but the doctor goes to do his work, basically taking notes and recording things. But he is disturbed by the appearance of writing in chalk. Help Eleanor come home. That's the the words that get written, and then they have a big argument over who writes this message. Theodore coming to the conclusion that it's not the house, it's not a ghost. That actually was Eleanor herself who wrote these suspicious words. So, things calm down a little bit after this in Hill House, and the members of the experiment begin to set their own schedules and work into their own habits as they continue their investigation. The doctor, for instance, investigates various aspects of Hill House and takes careful notes, including he starts to do more scientific studies of literally cold spots in the house, you know, actually measuring temperature of places and realizing that there are cold spots in the house, something that Eleanor and Theodore experienced the, the, that night. And then the Doctor kind of makes this weird announcement that kind of comes out of nowhere. We're not expecting it as readers. Um, Now, this woman may have been mentioned before in the novel, but I don't really remember it coming up. But the Doctor just announces his wife will be coming to visit Hill House herself. Um, Now, this character, the introduction of the wife, I don't fully know what to make of it yet. She doesn't add that much to the plot, but she just kind of adds to this idea that the house is being kind of haunted by by more and more people. Um, But Eleanor, she's getting more and more introverted and more obsessed with this idea that the house wants her to stay, that they're being entrapped by the house, especially her. Now, what happens to Theodora is Theodora's clothing, Theodora's clothing gets destroyed by red paint being spattered all over it. And the message that they saw before, help Eleanor come home, reappears in Theodora's room in the red letters. Eleanor, therefore, is forced to kind of donate her clothing to Theodora, who whose clothes has been ruined, and they begin sharing a room. They started out the novel in separate rooms, but they begin sharing the room. And I, again, I think there's very, very strong homoerotic uh, imagery and feeling over over this whole uh, novel between between the characters of Eleanor, Eleanor, and Theodora. Um, but Eleanor begins having these violent thoughts, and she tries to explain to Theodora how she felt, how she was affected by seeing her name used by the house. And that night, so I think this is the third night in the house, Eleanor hears voices and she hears the crying of a child. She thinks she's holding Theod- Theodore's hand over the night because they're sleeping in the same bed, but when she gets up, she finds she's not. So she, in addition to hearing voices, she felt something grab her hand, so it's a um. You know, the the kind of the, the experiences, especially Eleanor has, keep adding as the nights go on. Uh, the longer she spends in Hill House. So it's pretty clear that the house seems to be targeting Eleanor. It's it's kind of really hinted really from the first pair, the first chapter, I mean. But um, it's really, really clear now that both Eleanor and the events, I mean, we see it written on the wall, Eleanor come home. Um, you know, there's not really, there might be other explanations that the house is trying to give in the way. But all the evidence is that... The house is calling to Eleanor, um, and Eleanor, meanwhile, is, is although frightened and, and disturbed by what's happening, is warming to the house in many ways, and she starts to want to stay there more. Her initial feeling towards the house was rejection and hostility. Remember, as soon as she met Theodora, they went outside to to basically explore the outside of the house, but at this point, she starts to get more and more attached to the house. Um Now, we also see kind of relationships develop a little bit more after this third day, Luke and Eleanor uh, get a little bit closer and have more interactions, and certainly Eleanor and Theodore's relationships develop the most in in this chapter. So this is kind of an important chapter that really kind of leads us towards the climax of the story, which is going to have something to do with the house and and Eleanor. All right, chapter six. Um, Chapter six begins with Luke and Eleanor beginning to speak a bit more intimately, and there are kind of strong romantic um, elements there. But Eleanor is really confused by them. Uh, certainly Luke's openness bothers her. She's lived a very cloistered life. She's our she's our classic Shirley Jackson heroine, a bit of a cloistered woman or a spinster, an aging unmarried woman. And she really, she's so kind of unused to this that she really can't decide if he's trying to breach things romantically either. I think it's a little bit ambiguous uh to be frank, but um, I think a lot of that's to do with just Eleanor's own isolation. And this is such a theme that Shirley Jackson is so interested in. By the time she wrote this, she was increasingly, Shirley Jackson was increasingly homebound. And certainly by the time she wrote her, her next novel, the next novel we're going to look at, um, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. I mean, that's all about isolation. I mean, really taken to extremes. I mean, almost absurd extremes. But that's a really, really great novel uh, in... In dealing with this theme of agoraphobia and, and social awkwardness, Eleanor's not that bad. She can interact with other people more or less, but she's a little bit. She can't really pick up a lot of the social cues that that you know we all take for granted. Um, they also talk a little bit about Luke's lack of of a mother, um, which is in contrast, of course, to to Eleanor's very uh, you know contentious and bothersome relationship with her mother. Um, really, the big discovery in Chapter 6, besides this um, possible romantic interest that Luke has towards Eleanor, but, you know, it might just be the flirting, the conversation they're having, but Luke discovers a book at the library, and it's really, really fascinating. It's, 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 it really kind of remind we're reminded how weird Hugh Crane was, the builder of Hill House, you know, that maybe there was something special about this person wanting to, to have Hill House built in the first place. Um, maybe that's some relationship between Ukraine and the fact that this house was, was born evil. Um, what it is, it's a self-published like textbook that he prepared for the education of his daughters. And it's full of these didactic moral lessons and fear-inducing descriptions of hell and other punishments. So I'll just read a little bit of this. It's um, pretty hardcore stuff. Um, kind of only a cycle parent would, would really write this, or maybe one extremely religious in kind of a fire and brimstone kind of way. Um, quote, daughter, you know, the books addressed directly to the daughter. Daughter, sacred pacts are signed in blood, and I have taken from my own wrist the vital fluid from which I bind you. Live virtuously, be meek, have faith in thy Redeemer, and in me, thy Father, and I swear to thee that we'll be joined together hereafter in unending bliss. Accept these precepts from thy devoted Father, who in humbleness of spirit has made this book. May it serve a perp- its purpose well, my feeble effort, and preserve my child from the pitfalls of this world, and bring her safe to her Father's arms in heaven. Signed, thy loving Father in this world, and next, author of thy being, and guardian of thy virtue." And Mika's love, Hugh Crane. So after this, they uh, eventually Eleanor and Theodora go outside again and explore the grounds. And Theodora begins teasing Eleanor about Luke, suggesting that maybe Theodora picked on Theodore is much more attuned to normal human conversations, uh, a little bit more normal, even as weird as Theodora is at times. She's you know more grounded um, socially than than Eleanor, and she kind of teases her about him. But in the woods, they actually see a literal haunt. They, they see haunts. It's children having a picnic. But this totally terrifies the young women who rush back to tell Luke, Luke and the doctor. Um, but they end up just holding each other before they're able to, to uh, report this thing they've seen. Now, the fact that these kids are going on a picnic is interesting because Theodora and Eleanor have been talking about going on a picnic for for some time. Remember, these people have a lot of time on their hands when they're just like living in a hill house and, you know, they have to fill the time somehow. And one thing Theodora and Eleanor mentioned a few times before was going on a picnic, and that's how they see these these kids. It's not really clear who these kids are exactly connected to the house in some way in its history, most likely. but you know the the deepening relationship between Eleanor and and Luke here I think is strong. But for me the real bombshell in this chapter is just you know how bizarre Hugh Crane is that he wasn't just a random person who happened to be uh, who built this house that happened to be evil. There's some relationship between him and the creation of the house from from right away from right in the beginning. So it's a, it's a very short chapter though. Uh, then we get to chapter seven, and by the way we're we're pretty much. There's only like 40 pages left in the novel. It's a really, really short novel, thinking back on it. I think it's all all told like 180 pages only. A really, really quick read. The audiobook's only six hours. Um, So in Chapter 7, Eleanor is wandering around Hill House, and this is when Mrs. Montague arrives. Uh, And she arrives not alone. She arrives with another person, which is sort of a boyfriend, a companion of sorts. And there's you know, kind of a weird relationship going on here. It's kind of like a little menage a trois between Mrs. Montague, Mr. Montague, the doctor, and this boyfriend whose name is Arthur. Um, she is very, very interested in the supernatural occurrences. And, you know, she's really there to see ghosts. I mean, she her interest is in scientific, though it's much more visceral. She wants to actually experience ghosts and experience supernatural things. Um, although she doesn't seem to be psychically... Um, sensitive the way Theodora and Eleanor are and she's actually complaining about the pace of the investigation she wants she waited a few days I think to come because she really wants to see she was hoping something cool would have been happening by then and they haven't yet Um, so after dinner she leaves with Arthur to go to the library and she begins to use a planchette now a planchette if if you ever use like a Ouija board that's a planchette Um, you know I don't know when the Ouija board it's just a game right I think it's published by Milton Brothers or something but Um, You know, it's a kid's game, but, you know, people who are interested in spiritualism, interested in ghosts, have used planchettes for a long time as a tool for automatic writing. That's the that's the device. And it's kind of like a Ouija board idea where you put your hand on the planchette and it will, you know, write messages. But usually how it's used is like a pencil will be connected to it and it will move around and write things. Um, You you see this actually used again by by Stephen King in The Stand in a very, very dramatic uh, scene. That's actually a flashback moment. And in a way, they seem to take over the investigation of Hill House and move it away from the scientific grounding that Montague wanted to have and towards a much more reckless, spiritualist, um, occultist kind of investigation. Uh, She thinks that somehow this will kind of awaken whatever she wants to Experience much more quickly than whatever Doctor Montague is doing, and uh, after after using the planchette, Mrs. Montague is convinced that there was a nun trapped in the house that's haunting Hill House. So she thinks it's more it's a more conventional how, uh, haunting. She doesn't really, uh, I think, fully understand Montague's point about the house being evil, and she doesn't see it, and she doesn't have the personal relationship that that Eleanor has. She just seems to be a tourist. She's a, she's a supernatural tourist of sorts. Um, the doctor, you know, rejects these claims out of hand. And, you know, there's a little bit of annoyance over the arrival of Mrs. Montague. Um, now, the fact that the ghost, the go, well, whoever did, you know, did the automatic, you know, responded to the automatic writing device does leave a message for Nell. And, of course, Eleanor is is rather shocked by this. Of course, we've seen the house already leave messages for her. So there's something to the use of the planchette. It's not just um, Mrs. Montague playing around. Um, And what's really important about this is Mrs. Montague, when she used it, didn't know Eleanor's name and certainly didn't know the nickname Nell. So it couldn't have come from Mrs. Montague just, you know, writing it herself. The fact that Nell appears in this message is is, you know, clear evidence of something's going on if we didn't already know that. Um, So after a few nights, uh, more nights after this, with now the house being increasingly crowded with now six people, um, the doctor brings the group together to sleep in one room and Hill House at that night attacks them using its best effort, apparently. Eleanor is the most affected, seeing these attacks is coming from within her, but Mrs. Montague and Arthur, these newcomers, are not affected at all by these uh, seeming attacks. Now, of course, these are like uh, haunted house attacks. They're not f- necessarily physical attacks. Um, here's what, a little bit of what Shirley Jackson writes. Now the house shivered and shook, the curtains dashing against the windows, the furniture swaying, and the noise in the halls became so great that it pushed against the walls. They could hear breaking glass as the pictures on the hall came down and perhaps the smashing of windows. Luke and the doctor strained against the door as though desperately holding it shut, and the floor moved under their feet. We're going, we're going, Eleanor thought, and heard Theodora say far away, the house is coming down. She sounded calm and beyond fear. Holding to the bed... Buffett and his shaken Eleanor put her head down and closed her eyes and bit her lips against the cold and felt the sickening drops in the room fell away from her and then right itself and then slowly, then turned slowly singing, God Almighty, Theodore said. And a mile away at the door, Luke caught the doctor and held him upright. So that's the kind of things that happened to him in that night. But again, uh, it doesn't seem that Mrs. Montague and Arthur experienced much of anything that night, despite these dramatic occurrences. So, uh... What's really interesting in this chapter seems to be the way we can compare and contrast Mr. Montague's views on the paranormal with Mrs. Montague's views. I think one is much more uh, casual and curious and uh, touristy. And Mr. Montague, he really wants to do solid research. And it seems that Mrs. Montague's presence disrupts that possibility of doing a a clear scientific experiment. Remember, he wants everything recorded. He wants, he's taking measurements, you know, using scientific equipment, temperature and stuff like that. Um, but also key is that the house chooses not to reveal itself to Mrs. Montague and Arthur outside of the Planchen experience. Uh, in fact, even during that, it directly questions and directly addresses itself to, to Mrs. Montague, not to, or to Nell, sorry, to Nell and not to Mr. Montague, and certainly not to Arthur, who you know, he's a pretty forgettable person in this novel actually he just sort of appears as a hangabout with a, a attachment to mrs montague who herself is a you know doesn't really add that much to the overall um, story i think the point here really and this is why you maybe you need these characters is it's really making clear that the house is attracted to and interested in certain individuals and to others it's 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 completely indifferent All right, Chapter Eight. Um, Eleanor is now very, very much linked to the house, but she doesn't. She hides this from the group. She's the most cloistered character, as as we might expect. That's her whole character's identity: is her her internal uh, pondering about her life, her family, and and her experiences with Hill House. So she doesn't really share this. um, Although she'll share other literal things that happened to her, she doesn't share this internal feeling she has that she's being drawn more and more and really linked psychically to the house of course mrs montague and arthur report nothing strange from the previous night and eleanor tries to get theodore to take her you know to to take her in when the hill house experiment is done she's thinking about her future even though she's on some level already tied to the house and locked into the house she is practically thinking like she doesn't want to go back to her family and she's hoping that Eleanor will basically be a roommate um, after this is all done. Uh, Theodore, Theodore, and Luke walk the grounds with Eleanor, but basically ignore her. And in just a few days, we see kind of Luke's interest move from Eleanor, who, as she gets a little bit more bizarre, he starts moving to the much more. Um, perhaps uh, emotionally available Theodora, and they begin to seem to hit it off now. And this just serves to isolate Eleanor more and more. I think that's the point of this is um, she she has connections with first Theodora and then later on with Luke and both of those connections get broken off, maybe by the house, maybe by um, her own, uh, just her her overall weirdness. But. By this point in the novel, Eleanor is more or less isolated from any of the other characters, hiding her feelings and um, hiding her experiences. Um, So this is really hit home when she sees another ghost. Eleanor sees another ghost and runs to find her companions, but finds them just laughing under a tree. Um, The rest of Chapter 8, though, is basically a series of quick time jumps as we see fragments of the group's discussions in Hill House. Um, and some time passes and the chapter ends with Eleanor hearing a child's song, but she's the only one who sees it So just as Eleanor is becoming more and more Isolated the house is revealing itself less and less to the others and really only to to Eleanor who's the prime focus of the of, of the house's interest um, so the main theme of chapter 8 is and here we are really really close to the end of the novel. I mean, there's like 10 pages left at this point. But the main theme of this chapter is the declining state of Eleanor's mind as the house, you know, piece by piece takes her over. And the attitude of Luke and Theodora towards Eleanor is one of growing indifference and 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 just isolation. Um, again, if you want if you've read uh We Have Always Lived in the Castle, I mean, the attitude of the village towards the the Blackwoods, I think is the interesting parallel there. Um, it's not really clear how much time passes in the last few uh, pages of the chapter. We seem to have quite major time jumps, but these these time jumps seem to tell a singular story of, of Eleanor being increasingly the only one that's, that's really having this relationship with the house anymore, and the others are kind of moving on with their lives in various ways. All right, and then that takes us to chapter nine, the final chapter in this Brief novel, The Haunting of Hill House, um, Eleanor wakes up one night. And again, we're not, I don't think we're quite sure how much time passed in Chapter 8. Some significant time passed. Um, she wakes up one night and walks barefoot into the library. Um, she climbs up this iron stairway into the to the library. It's one of the features of this house. Um, and the library, or the iron stairway is where one of the Crane sisters killed herself. So the history of the house comes back as an important element here. Uh, And she's on top of this iron stairwell. And the others shout for Eleanor to get down, but she is lost in herself. She doesn't recognize her friends or, by this point, really the companions and the fellow members of the experiment. The others shout for Eleanor to get down, but she is lost totally. Um, She tries to open the trap door at the top of the library ceiling. Luke has to go up and get Eleanor down, literally. I mean, he has to carry her down because she seems about to kill herself at that point. Um, The next day, they basically do an intervention and tell Eleanor that she really, really needs to leave the house, that this is having a bad effect on her, that she almost probably killed herself. And so they basically make an agreement to to have her leave. And actually, Dr. Montague was receptive, was attentive enough to realize that Eleanor maybe would be the most affected because he warns Eleanor, but not Theodora, that if she feels she's being taken in by the house, that she should flee. Um, earlier, but now it's probably too late. So they tell Eleanor that she must leave the house. But she, at this point, insists that she must stay. Um, You know, she makes excuses like, Theodore needs my clothes or stuff like that, but the doctor says she doesn't anymore because those red stains that ruined her clothes are gone. Uh, It was just some kind of um, ghostly uh, stain. And Montague moves from kindly suggesting that Eleanor leaves to ordering her to leave, telling her she really has to get out of the house. And... Um, he even like went ahead and contacted Carrie who is Eleanor's sister and told her that it's all worked out You can go back and, and it'll be fine, move on with your life But uh, as Eleanor realizes as she's in her car but ready to drive away She realizes that there's a way she can stay in Hill House forever she is, So she gets in the car and she crashes into a tree And before dying she realizes her insanity Um, So that's the end of Eleanor. Eleanor is one with Hill House, which is what Hill House wanted all along. Um, The experiment ends at this point, obviously. Uh, Montague publishes the paper, but gets really no response from it, like so many academic papers that get published. His hope of this kind of research being taken seriously goes nowhere, and Montague is forced to basically end his research into the paranormal, you know, obviously the, you know, he doesn't want people to die. I mean, he's not that kind of mad scientist who's willing to sacrifice people for his academic interests. Um, so, Eleanor's actions in the library convince Montague and Theodora that Eleanor must leave the house. But by this point, it's already too late for her. She must stay. And, um, you know, I guess you could read this certainly, there's supernatural things happen in the story. Theodora saw ghosts, um, people experienced things that were strange. But still, you know, there's the question of how much of this really was the house claiming this soul, uh, claiming this ghost and how, you know, Eleanor's soul. And how much of this is in her head and how much is this a byproduct of her own agoraphobia, her own desire for isolation. And I think there's hints early on in the novel that Eleanor is always kind of searching for this kind of thing. As much as she was fearful of Hill House to begin with, it becomes a very, very comforting thing for her. Um, So... That's the novel. That's *The Haunting of Hill House*. I, I guess um, I didn't uh, dwell too much on the plot. I mean, there's not a whole lot that happens in this novel. It's actually a fairly quick read. It's really a psychological uh, drama in many ways, especially with the character of of Eleanor. Um, and and again, I think it reminds me a lot of *We Have Always Lived in the Castle*. Even though there, it's a much, it's a very different story. There's nothing really supernatural, and *We Have Always Lived in the* castle i mean there's bizarre things there but it's a more straight up story of a, of a of a young woman going deeper and deeper into herself and into her own kind of delusional view of reality trying to reconstruct an ideal world even if it means totally isolating herself from, from everyone else um eleanor here finds the way to kind of achieve that utopia through through suicide in the hill house and joining with them um, again, this is obviously a theme that Stephen King was very, very interested in in his early novels. It's, it's of course, the main point of The Shining, right, As of a house, an evil house, laying claim to souls, right, of various types. And, and the souls of the evil events that happen in the house, or in that case, it's the hotel, become part of it and become part of the structure of that of that building. The, the, but the ghosts are not what are doing the haunting. The, well, I guess they're they're haunting it, but it's the house itself that, drew these whole ghosts and drew these people and 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 drew, and directed people to do actions that will lock their ghosts their haunts into the into the physical place and to a lesser degree i think it's in salem's lot with the marston house where there is also clearly ghosts and it it draws evil to it and in that case it's it's a, it's a vampire of course um now, all of these characters in this novel have family troubles of various types. You know, Theodore's are, are less clear. I mean, Luke's from this rich family that's very aloof. He doesn't have a mother. Eleanor has deep troubles with her sister and her, and her mother. Um, it seems even Dr. Montague has this kind of weird open relationship with his wife, who has this boyfriend, Arthur, and it's, it's a fairly open thing. Um, and... None of those characters really find anything in Hill House except for Eleanor. Eleanor is the only one who finds a solution to it, even if it's only through this, this tragic end. Um, so, yeah, I really I kind of enjoy this novel. This is probably the second time I've, I've read it, maybe the third time. Uh, I, I think the overriding theme for me, Beyond the Evil House, which I think is just a sort of great innovation and such an interesting spin on the whole haunted house genre and it it, it's been done at other times by other people but you know i think it's it's really a breakthrough in this particular novel but just the overall feeling of of isolation and loneliness and this kind of drive for meaning and and this feeling we have where you know especially in the first chapter eleanor's feeling that she could have gone different ways in her life but but can't really go anywhere else except to this Hill house, which really is her path to, to total isolation, and that's over the course of the novel, she has options of friends, she she has connections with people, whether it's Luke or Doctor Montague, and especially Theodora, but um, there's this moment, you know, I think it's was it in chapter five or six where she's in bed with Theodora, and she thinks she's holding Theodora's hands, but she's not, and she's essentially bound to the house at that point. I think that's really really a meaningful moment, for. For, for Eleanor. And it speaks a lot about what Jackson's trying to to say. Now, it's not a particularly like scary novel. It's not like, a, a you know, I don't know. I've never been scared by a novel, to be frank. I've been intrigued by horror fiction, and I, I love it quite a lot. But I've never been spooked by any story. So I don't know if that... Maybe for you, you can have that kind of response to it. But I just think it's the... The setting of it, the, the characterization, especially of Eleanor and, to a lesser degree, Theodora, really, really well done. And that was a lot of fun. I think it's so, you know, well-known in popular culture. There's been a TV series about it. There's been two movies, as far as I know. The first movie, I think, is more accurate. The second one, just called The Haunting, is, theme, I mean, tied to the same idea of the house trying to grab someone. But it's much more of a kind of a more big-budget kind of horror film. Um, So it's important in pop culture. So, you know, to have that sort of awareness of the source material, I think, is is valuable. Um, But yeah, I I guess if I if if I had to recommend either this or the lottery, I still think the lottery is something richer, a richer source to read. But, um, you know, it doesn't take long. So I I advise you to check this out. So um, that's it. I, I didn't say as much as I thought I would about it. I think it came. I had prepared notes for this one so. Uh, when you do that, things tend to go a little bit faster. Um, so, yeah, next episode, I will look at We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And that's a very, very short novel, only 100 pages and change. Um, and it deals with some similar themes. I think it may be her final novel. It was published in 1962, and Shirley Jackson dies died in... Sorry, 1965. She was planning other works, and there's actually quite a few other novels that she wrote and and stories she wrote throughout her life that aren't represented in this volume. I wonder if there's enough for a second volume of Jackson's writings, but I don't know if we'll get it from the Library of America. Um, I don't know how good they are, but there's one here I really want to check out, The Witchcraft of Salem Village. I'd like to see what she has to say about the witchcraft.
1: Um, But anyways, um,
0: that does it for The Haunting of, of Hill House. I hope you have fun reading that novel. So let me know what you think of this particular story. If you've read it, if you've if you uh, digested it, um, let me know what you think. You can contact me at my email, 100pagescast at gmail.com, or you can leave your comments below. Um, so that'll be it for now. Uh, I'll see you next time as I continue my, my way through Shirley Jackson, writing with we have always lived in the castle thanks so much for I, listening. Dee- 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 dee I guess it just had to be what do dee- 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 dee someone listen to me i got the words I got the tune
1: I'd like to prune it
0: under the moon but I got nobody to hear my song so I'm coming